Hey there, folks. You're listening to the Monument Cycling Podcast. I'm Owen Lake, and today we're joined by Alicia Speak, the 2019 Masters National Road Race Champion. So let's jump right in and get to the good stuff. Alicia, how good can you get while working full time? Is it tough balancing the two? It's just what you have to do. So you either do what you don't do. Do you know, like I kind of felt like if I'm going to do this, I should do it properly. Because mm. if I'm going to sacrifice so much, I at least want to sacrifice it and do it properly. Yeah. And not just sacrifice and be shit. Yes. You kind of, like, it's kind of in for a penny, in for a pound. Yeah, exactly. Might as well go all in. Yeah. Because oh. lots of people get up at 6am and sit on the turbo for an hour. But did it actually take a toll on your work life as yeah, well? probably. Okay. So in which case, if you're going to do it, you might as well do it yeah, properly. Yeah, exactly. And get as much out of it. Otherwise, yeah. you're just negatively. Probably took a toll on like my friendships my relationship like my mental health as well as much yeah god that sucks yeah <laughs> i had a really good year though yeah and then i retired and i was like okay i'm ready now yeah well because as soon as you take the pressure off yeah you don't have to and work. i knew it was my last year as well and i think that's why i was like fuck it i'm just gonna attack just gonna like go all in from the start yeah which worked because you got a master's title yeah and was that your best season then? It was by far and away yeah. my best season. Because my other season had been okay, like so-so. Yeah. But I remember we went over to the Netherlands as a team. Yeah. And we, because Annalene, who's one of um, our teammates, was Dutch. And so she helped us organise this um, trip over there. And nobody in the team had raced in Belgium before. I'd done a few races over there with On Form. Yeah. Um, so we thought it'd be this really fun kind of weekend. So we went and did this exhibition crit um, on the Saturday. And that's where, you know, lots of the pro riders come back from, you know, the odd ends or whatever races they've been doing. So we yeah. turned up and um, and it was like... Uh, Yelene Dora and all these and there was Belgium national champion and Sophie DeVoice all these kind of super big names yeah and we were on the start line and and I was like screw it I'm just going to attack so I attacked like right from the beginning (laughs) and ended up creasing a break with like these two other people and the way those races work is like an early break can so often work yeah 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 especially (laughs) because they're really technical right and they're like difficult to get around the corners and it was really really technical course and then I attacked we ended up creating a break and I think then that you know the actual hitters were like hmm maybe this will stay away and then they caught us and once they came over I was like now I don't need to do any work right because I'm a nobody um and I came fifth in that and then the next day we did a national series sort of race in the Netherlands yeah so we stayed in a beautiful hotel that um I put through work and (laughs) (laughs) we rode sort of two hours over there as a team and it was just a really really great kind of atmosphere and we were all buzzing from the race the day before and then we arrived and Annalie wanted to get a good place so she could qualify for Dutch nationals and we also wanted to pay for our trip. So we just thought, well, let's try and get as many preems as we can. Right. So when they did the bell for the preem, I was like to Fran, I was like, I'm just going to go for it and try and go long. And then ended up staying away for 20 minutes. And then got quite a lot of preems though. Yes, And definitely. then and like... I was trying to get the leader's prize, which is the one where you go over the line the most number of times. And then I got caught and then everyone sat up and I was just like, why is everyone sitting up? I'm just going to attack again. So I attacked again, got caught and then attacked again, ended up creating a break of three people. (laughs) And there was this, this one girl who was a sprinter. Um, and I could tell because she she was obviously much bigger and she'd been, um, you know, looked like much like a sprinter and she was winning a few of the preems. Um, and she start, started skipping turns. And then as we came into the finish, she hadn't done a turn on the front for like a couple of laps. And then as we came to the finish, she was on my wheel and I was like, screw it, I'm just going to go for it. And I'm a terrible sprinter. But I was like, I'm into a headwind. Mm. All I could do is like go for it. And I went for it and I won and I was like, 
Oh my God, I've actually won. <laughs> <laughs> You've outsprinted the sprinter who yeah. sat on for a few laps <laughs> in a headwind sprint. And I'd been on my own, on literally own. pretty much the whole race. Oh my God, going for every preem because exactly. you just want to get some money. <laughs> exactly. And I, we won like, um, I think Annalene won about 70 and I won about 160. We were like, great, we just paid for our trip. <laughs> um, but it kind of, because I was going into that knowing it was my last season, I just thought, screw it. Like, what's the worst yeah. that can happen? I get dropped. Yeah. No one knows me. I'm and in it the even if you like do, it doesn't, doesn't matter. matter. Yeah. It's amazing because when you win a race mm. so often or get a really good result, the results start flowing because yes. you, you don't have this pressure. You don't mind making the move that may not be the right move at the right time, but yeah. you're doing it with such uh, conviction that it just sticks. Yeah. And it's funny because the previous two years with On Form, I'd... I felt like I'd just become this very mediocre rider because right. I was too scared to do anything. I was like, what if I get dropped? And I was... I felt like I was happier getting a 15th in a national series than trying to go for the break. And it used to just drive Simon, Simon has our manager crazy. Cause he was like, you'd be so good in breaks. You're not yeah. a sprinter. So you're far better being in that getting position. Up the road. Exactly. Yeah. And he was just like, what, what's wrong with you? Like, why are you not going <laughs> for it? And it was just, it was a mental switch. Yeah. More than a physical thing. Yeah. Cause you had the legs clearly. Yeah. I mean, I can't think I was that more, you know, crapper the previous year than I had with that year you know my training hadn't been that different um so I think it was a mental switch it was taking that pressure off and just being like why not just try I remember a quote that um I think it was along the lines of like a, a, a bad decision but but going all in is so much better than just not making a decision yeah. at all and yeah. and that's kind of what you do when you go in the wrong break yeah. you can make it the right break or make it the right move yeah. with with the conviction and how well everyone works. I feel like I just spent two years like beating myself up as well for like not taking chances and not trying and always just being okay with just having like a kind of... And they were good results. They weren't bad, but I just felt like I was never doing myself justice, that yeah. I had so much more potential. And that, that comes back to, because you said yeah. about the, t the toll on your mental health. Yeah. If you always know you can do yeah. better and you feel it, you, you, you finish every race disappointed in yeah. yourself. That's not a good way to... It's really hard, right? Because then you get home, you can't sleep and you yeah. wake up and you'd, all you're doing is dreaming about that break that you missed, that, that time that Nikki Juniper attacked <laughs> and you could have been on her wheel and you saw the break go. Yeah. Like I saw the break go so many times. Yeah. Why didn't I just try? Why didn't I just try and go with and it? You know, you, when you see it, yeah. there's a feeling, like a gut yeah. feeling, you know that's the right break. Exactly. So... You're like, why didn't I go with yeah. that? Yeah. And, and then I was also just like, why don't I just try and create a break? Yeah. Because then actually then you're guaranteed to be in the break. Yeah, exactly. And so that's what really changed for me, I think, yeah. last season. Just because you, you no longer cared about losing. Yeah, I think that. And because I was in a much smaller team, I didn't really have any pressure. Like we didn't have to get any pressure for results. Yeah. And I also thought, well, I don't care about maybe trying to get on a team next year. I knew it was going to be yeah. my last season. So I just thought, well... I'll just treat every race like it's my last race. Yeah, because it will be very much like an all or nothing. Yeah. All or nothing season. Yeah. And it was, you know, working, training and racing, especially in the UK where all of the races are up north, is so hard. If you live in London, everything's a hassle. You've got to get out of London yeah. first. Which Training's is like a, a hassle. Yeah. 
Yeah, and it's like, if you're working, you're like, you have to get up at 6 a.m., you have to go ride around Regent's Park and nearly get killed the whole time in the pitch black, in the cold. It's like soul-destroying, or you're on your turbo. Like, I never had these beautiful country lanes that I could ride on. I could never ride in, ride in daylight in the winter. And it was always, like, soul-destroying. Like, weekends, it'd be, like, yeah. 45 minutes out to Essex, riding around, almost getting killed by white vans the whole time, <laughs> 45 minutes back. And then you're like, great, <laughs> did my efforts. That's fun, that's my whole day gone. <laughs> yeah, time exactly, to sleep and do it again tomorrow. Exactly. And I think that's why Team London was called as well last year, because we were all in it together. Mm. We were all in the same position. Like we all had the same challenges. Whereas the previous two years, I'd been in this team with people that were all in very different positions than me. A lot of them were younger. They had parental support. They had financial support. They just had very different setups. They were in far different, you know, different places in the country. And so it was really easy for them to access roads. And you're trying to keep up with them. Yeah. You know, in in terms of your training, in terms of your racing, you're you're always comparing yourself to what they're doing. Exactly. Most of us are at least 10 years older. Yeah. And so you're like, (laughs) I'm like, I have to pay a mortgage and I have to go to work tomorrow. And I just felt like I had really different uh, commitments and different pressures that they didn't have. And I felt that that made me feel just a bit hard done by yeah and once i think you start feeling like that you take that into your racing yeah different motivations yes like the reason that you're racing was well primarily because you love the sport exactly you you started later yeah (laughs) you know most people are starting when they're (laughs) 10 to 16 yes you're starting when you're 20 something yeah i started when i was 28 that's really late isn't it uh, yeah i guess (laughs) (laughs) most people would be like just you know maybe do a little bit of fun or mass participation or like a small amount of competition yeah so I started when I trained um I signed up for like a a charity event through work Mm. my team at the time were doing a relay triathlon yeah and I was like well I can't swim I'm totally (laughs) useless at swimming and I was like running's really hard yeah (laughs) I think I should run I was like but I go to spin classes yeah so like cycling can't be that hard kind of ride a bike it's exactly the same right a spin class like a bike you know they can't be too different so I got a voucher through the cycle to work scheme went down to Evans yeah and got my 600 pound aluminium bike and then just I trained for this triathlon and then just actually really enjoyed it and then started doing events with friends like London to Cambridge London to Brighton and just like really enjoyed it that summer stopped at the end of the summer and then didn't ride all winter because I was like who rides in winter um got really unfit then the following summer I picked it up again and actually signed up to do like a London to Paris and sort of trained for that yeah and then it wasn't till the following year that I joined a cycle club yeah and that's what really got me into it yeah so it was it wasn't even when you started it was like a year later that you yeah. really started thinking about yeah competition yeah and, and and even I rode with the club for like a year before I even started racing and it was actually the guys I raced with who were like you're really fast for a girl you know you should probably like you should probably like, <laughs> I guess that's go. uh it's encouraging sort of, sort of. Right? <laughs> <laughs> they were like we the only girl that can keep up with us so yeah. you should you're probably quite good for a girl so you should go race so I went down to Lee Valley um at the time and that was really grassroots yeah so it's Phoenix and it was Dulwich and it was Islington and CC London yeah it was, it was all like clubs. 100 year old clubs that exactly. sort of that sort exactly. of vibe and it was yeah. really nice because everyone was like doing the same thing and it was every Wednesday we'd go down and we'd have this really fun race and people go and have beers afterwards like it was a really nice atmosphere 
Um, and so I just got into it doing that. And of course you turn up to your first race and come last. And I kept on coming last for a while because I could keep up with everyone, but then everyone sprinted. I was like, what just happened? <laughs> what, what is <laughs> this part of the race? I'm yeah. over here. Um, but then I gradually learned sort of more about it, more about tactics and went from like 15th to 13th to 11th to Making 8th. Up, yeah. yeah. And then got my second cat sort of that season, just sort of gradually working away yeah. at it. Um, I mean, do you think you fell into it? this yeah. this uh, mixed relay is that the best way that or, or the most common way that women get into sport or, or get into cycling yeah. you know so i was wondering whether whether people really see elite cyclists and care i d- i didn't watch any cycling on tv right it was like i didn't know anything about female racing yeah. or female cycling i didn't even know anything about the tour de france somebody okay. had to tell me that the last day of the tour de france was processional and actually it'd been won the day before like i knew that little about cycling there's a whole different whole yeah. different can of worms as to whether it should be but. exactly and I, I really and probably until about three years into it i knew very very little about cycling yeah. i wasn't a fan it's but, not but like you, i got into it you were a way. fan of doing the sports yeah as opposed to being a fan of the sport I think I was a fan of exercising and pushing myself so I worked in a law firm at the time and we I worked brutal hours and so exercising was like a release from that yeah so if you could leave at six go to a spin class for an hour an hour and a half and then come back to the office you felt this like sense of achievement Mm. and a sense of release and a sense of mental kind of space and then you could go and work till 11 and that was okay because you'd done something yeah and that jar of Nutella that sat in your drawer, you just like eat that, you know, afterwards. Yeah. Because we had a really unhealthy lifestyle. You know, we were working super long hours. We were boozing a lot. Sitting in office all day. Sitting in office yeah. all day. And like the only time I felt like I was doing something vaguely healthy for myself was going to the gym. Yeah. And do you think that's something that a lot, like gets a lot of women into cycling or, or any grassroots sport, yeah. you know, that is just, they're, they're a fan of exercise or some catalyst makes them want to do exercise and that sport happens to be what they get into yeah it feels like a lot of women get into it from something else so for example they're skiers or they're rowers or they're at university and they rode and they were into some kind of fitness and they moved to london or they moved to a city and somebody gives them a bike to commute on or their boyfriend cycles and it encourages them to do it it feels like a lot of people get into it that way it doesn't feel like apart from the gb girls that get into it when they're very very young you know that kind of thing that they got into it because their parents cycled or something it feels like more and more women get into it because somebody they know cycles they recommend it to them they're quite fit they enjoy the sense of achievement they enjoy the social aspect they enjoy sort of being part of something like the camaraderie of it yeah rather than yeah rather than just uh seeing an elite sports person winning olympic medals because that would have still happened i guess yes. the, the olympics would have been yes, happening we that was 2012 yeah british cycling was was riding this yeah. high that wasn't really by the sound of it what got you into it no and i remember watching it and i remember going to box hill kind of around that time and being like oh isn't this cool yeah and like enjoying watching it kind of then but it wasn't it wasn't something that i looked at and it inspired me right okay probably like you know every every year you watch you watch Wimbledon you're like I'm gonna go and play tennis like, you, <laughs> you, never do. And you never do yeah. but you might buy have that find that tennis racket that's under your bed and go and try and go to yeah. a local court well, like, you realize you can't play tennis my 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 thought with that is is football all the time people yeah. watch that for entertainment they watch it as like content yeah but they don't then go I'm gonna go you know don't see the <laughs> yeah. 30 40 year old dude go and 
I'm going to go and play football. Yeah, exactly. Um, but I feel like that with cycling. Like, I don't know whether I ever watch it and mm. then it really inspires me. Apart from later, like now, when yeah. I watch it, I see people I know. Like, I see Leah in that break at yeah, the yeah. Tour of Yorkshire. And I'm like, that is so cool. That yeah. is so impressive. I'm so proud of what she's achieved. And it inspires me to push myself. Yeah, you've become more of a fan because of your involvement yeah. in the sport rather than... And because it's so relatable. Yeah. And because I've been there, well, not at that level, but I, I can You know I can those people it. and... Yeah. And you can you can um, relate to what yes. they're going through. Yeah, it's almost like watching a motivational uh, YouTube video before <laughs> exactly. you go in the gym. Exactly, like yourself up. Yeah, like, yes, I'm ready I for can this. do this. If she can do it, I can do it. Yeah, is that something then that British Cycling are tapping into correctly? You know, because they plow a huge amount of money into their um, their Olympic level sport and their yeah. World Championships. But so much of it's track cycling, yeah. isn't it? And I feel like track is still quite inaccessible because you have to be on the track, right? Yeah. And so the grassroots places like um, uh, Hearn Hill are incredible. And you actually get so many kids there. And that's amazing because it's safe. They do kids kind of classes. They do every kind of Sunday you can go. And I think I've got friends whose children go there and they love the fact that it gives them a confidence and it gives them an appreciation for sport. And especially young girls like going there and realizing it's okay to wear lycra and it's okay to get sweaty (laughs) and it's okay to kind of be in a competitive environment. Places like that do it really, really well. I'm not sure if, like, I would have been five years old and turned up to the Olympic velodrome. Yes, that makes sense. Yeah, you know, I think that it's... Well, I think you have to probably be a certain age to go on those velodromes anyway. But, you know, with so much, I feel, of BC's kind of emphasis is on track. Mm. And also the emphasis, I felt like, before the kind of change that happened recently where actually they opened up the participation into selection. So the likes of Anna's and... Um, Juniper and all those people that actually they allowed selection yeah probably pre three years ago it was like you're on the BC program you're on the academy then you're on Team Breeze then you're on the podium program and that is the field that we're looking at and there's nothing outside of that so how is that encouraging to people because it's like if you were born and you knew this person you've been on this program the whole of your life then you'll get selected it was kind of a slight nepotism it was you know you you would get into the sport because somebody in your family's done the sport forever yeah happen to know somebody in bc yeah which means you you get a look in for a exactly a team's space and if you didn't do it when you were 10 it doesn't mean that you're not talented enough to do it look at anna like you know she started a lot later than i've got to find there was a brilliant drawing somebody did that had the uh it was like the life cycle of a of an international cyclist yeah and i love that it started at like picked as a fetus (laughs) (laughs) just there's some weird weird process of picking people at an incredibly young age before they've developed a tool Uh, and it feels unique in that respect don't you think like you say about football everyone plays football at school yeah everyone plays netball at school everyone plays tennis at school and so you get this super wide demographic of people that get involved in it whereas cycling it's either there's a velodrome down the road from me. I live in Hearn Hill and my friend goes there or my school's associated with it or I know someone that does it. Yeah. Or and my e- family does even it. Even with young riders, so often it's like, oh, if you put together your CV to give to teams, yeah. like way other sports, you don't yeah. put a CV together to give to Arsenal Football Club. Yeah. They send a scout who finds yeah, you. Yeah, exactly. You know, they hear about good good footballers or yeah. something like that. You you don't have to approach them. Yeah. It feels like that in other countries as well. So, yeah. you know, in in Belgium, it's yeah. grassroots. Like every kid cycles. Yeah. Every town has a race. 
one weekend you know in the summer and if you wanted to you could race every single day of the week and Mm. go to these races that cost two three four euros whereas in the uk it's much more inaccessible as a sport like you look at the kids now and they're on amazing bikes or on really expensive wheels they're set up to like five grand like (laughs) it's kind of crazy yeah yeah and it's not that you can just turn up on your little rally and, you know, you can go and start racing like Roundhog Hill. Yeah. And you, you, it's even harder just to get into it. You know, you yeah. have to go and you have to buy a license. Exactly. You have to buy a membership. Yeah. Uh, you probably have to be a member of a, a club to even understand yeah. what's going on. It's pretty impenetrable. I remember yeah. going to my first race and being like, what is the point? How many points do you need? I'm um, fourth cat. Like it was very opaque yeah i felt like it was opaque when i first started and i was so confused like what was going on it's crazy it's it's archaic in in a way a lot of aspects you know as it tries to move with the times yeah it's still archaic in other ways and we are one of the only countries with point systems yeah you you don't have that in belgium that's for sure not in belgium or in spain everyone just turns up and they race and it's like a participation event it's what you do on a sunday or a saturday it's not I'm going to get this number of points and I'm going to become this next level. And then I can say I'm a cat too. And, you know, and it's, it's not, I feel like the point system doesn't really, it doesn't encourage actual good races, especially right. in women's racing where it's really easy to get points. And also I don't think it encourages success because once you get to those higher points, like in first or elite, you can't race anymore. Well, you can't race locally. So, <laughs> so you they're have like, to travel. Here is your, you yeah. know, here's your reward for being successful. I'm going to limit the number of races you can do to 20 a year. And then you have to travel like minimum of four hours to get yeah. there. I'm like, oh, thanks, BC. <laughs> you really made this easy for me. <laughs> yeah. you know, that's accessible. And then suddenly you're, you're good. You're better. Yeah. But you're not going to race as much. And so people just stay as second cows, especially in the South. Yeah, they avoid. I mean, yeah. as an organizer, I see people... They're like, oh yeah, I love these races. I want to turn up, yeah. but uh, I don't want to get my points. Exactly. <laughs> like what? I know. So it's like I stop at 190 points. And yeah. If that's I'm that in August, that's when I stop my season. Which is like that can't be a way to encourage people to actually succeed and be yeah. successful. That's, it's crazy. Yeah. I mean, I, I know there's a huge amount of particularly organisers want uh, a less points based system. Yeah. More Belgium esque. Yes. You know, um, you can kind of take the best. Pl- points from other other places yeah. and do that and in the u.s they have like starts right so before you can go from fifth to fourth you have to have 10 starts right okay yeah which is a really good system because you can go as a fourth cat i didn't do this but you can go from a fourth to a second in five races as a mm. woman like i've had teammates that have won races uh, road races and got 30 points yeah i mean you can win two two national series yeah. races and not be an elite rider yeah <laughs> because your points won't add up and you're like wait you could win the national championships yeah. and not be an elite rider. Yeah. You, you won't have an elite license. Yeah. And especially if you're abroad, right? And yeah. you're not getting those points counting back to your, BC, you know, your British cycling ranking. Yeah. And then uh, you're going to, you're actually going to be picked after other people. Yeah. Have you seen the announcement from BC that they're actually making yeah. everything in parity? So with the national series now, it's from a hundred points now. So it'll yeah. be a band A rather than a band, sorry, band one rather than a band two. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And so... I mean, even just doing normal racing this year, I got just shy of 400 points. Right, okay. And that was with the lower so banding system. I guess you don't have the strength and depth and the participation yeah. numbers yet. So that means that you're going to artificially inflate yeah. some people's um, points totals yeah. well beyond what they, they would be normally. Yeah. And I don't know whether just throwing points at people is really the best option because then everybody's just going to become a first and a cat and a lee and then there's no races available yeah. for them. So you can't just 
make points far easier well not easier but more accessible because there's more of them available and not actually back it up with having the racing available for people to do because also as an organizer i would think if all of my uh, participants are now elites and first cats yeah. well i'll make my races elite and first cat races yeah. which means i'm no longer offering races for like real beginners yeah so it's it seems like british cycling or, or anyone mm. they have brought parity between the the women's and the men's uh systems but kind of the um error in in the way of thinking was that the men's system is already perfect yeah yeah <laughs> you had this chance to yeah. make make a new system yeah. that works for that demographic yeah. mm. as opposed to just saying it should be the same yeah which is not the way it should work like everything about women's racing is dramatically different it probably has half the number of participants yeah you know you turn up we used to turn up at those lee valley races and there'd be 15 women and there'd be 70 guys yeah the point shouldn't be the same for that like in the u.s what they do is if it's over 50 people there's a certain different points available if there's 40 or this you know they they do it by the number of participants which surely is fairer because if you have 10 participants in a race, everybody's getting points. Yeah. Even if you've been lapped four times. And I'm not saying that's a bad thing because everybody, you know, should be encouraged to participate. But if they're just working up through the rankings just by participating, is that really what we want to be encouraging? Or do we want to... I mean, I, I feel like we should be encouraging success and we should be encouraging people to push themselves and get better and do different types of races that develop their skills as opposed to just participation yeah Yeah. personally i don't know i think that there's a whole point about that we should have participation (laughs) in sport it makes people you know it's it's healthier and everything for society but there also should be something about having something where people can really mm. compete at a very elite level you want a separation between the, the actual elites yes and the people who are just participating because they enjoy it like for example the nocturne it was immensely dangerous as a race because everybody wanted to do it. So you had this mixture of third and fourth cats with elite races, like really elite races. There's yeah. people from Kenya Shram there and other really big teams. And somebody, you know, we were, I was in the lead group and we were overtaking a group that were going for 50th place and they wouldn't move over. And we're at a crunch point in the race and everyone crashed into each other. Yeah. And it was, it was, it just destroyed the race. Like, yeah, so why can't we pull people? This, why can't, or why can't we separate the races? Yeah. Why can't we have, exactly. In ability as yeah. well as caused by it. And I think that people should be like, you know, that you did with the monument races, you had like an elite race and then you had a third, fourth cat. And that's so much better because then people are racing and trying to succeed within their peers as well. Yeah, definitely. And you're actually rewarding success and you're putting on really good races. Uh, it's kind of like, in Alicia's uh, world, there won't be participation medals. No, um, I, th- <laughs> I don't know. That sounds really harsh. Like, I yeah, don't want to sound harsh, but I think that... I don't know. I felt like I spent a lot of time being mediocre. And I think it was about how you actually... You become a better racer and how we should actually encourage success, right, in this country. And how we encourage having a really solid, good level of racing. Yeah. Because I sort of feel like in this country, as soon as you become good, you, you leave and you go to Europe. Yeah, if if you want to do it as a career, yeah, you're off. Like, uh, and and that's we we've seen that with um, I think British cycling having like a uh, a real heart searching moment yeah. where they're saying, what do we even want it to be? Yes, and there've been a lot of people kind of piping up saying, oh, it should be a stepping stone to an international mm. career, which means as soon as you get to a certain age and and a certain level, like they ship you off to the continent. Now. But should it be like it's not in Belgium? 
Yeah. You actually have really good quality, competitive yeah, yeah. racing. You can have a career there. Yeah, and you can have a career there. And I'm not saying that, you know, you should be able to... I mean, I, th- I, mean, I personally think that I shouldn't have to go to the continent to get good racing. Yeah. I should be able to actually have good, solid, competitive fields in the UK. Like when I first did the National Series... It was 120 minimum for every single race yeah. we did. And it was really hard and it was really competitive. And you had the big names. You had the Junipers, the Hayley Simmons. You had all of the Breeze girls, the Drops girls, the WNT girls. And it was really competitive and it was dynamic and it was challenging and it was exciting. And I just sort of feel like it's getting dumbed down a bit because we're just trying to appeal to masses and then actually the elite levels get weaker because people just leave because they're like what's the point so i i thought of this as um a concept with my own events like with saffron walden yeah um we have the community fun ride to start with then we have um fourth and third cat racing then we have e12 yeah and it was from the perspective of of town councils and um the stakeholders now from my perspective i want to have full sets of races all the way from under eights yeah. all the way up to elites. Um, they don't want to do that. They don't want to close the roads for as long. Yeah. And people don't want the fatigue of watching that many 10 races. races that all kind of look the same to them. Yeah. Um, it, it was as a spectacle. Do I even include thirds and fourth cats? It, it, it's not it's not something you want to think about, but you have to think about it. Think, yeah. And it, it, it becomes this really difficult, hard to hard to balance yeah. those all those competing ideas. And, it, and there is an argument for saying no, because mm. there is so many races for third and fourth cats. Yeah. And there is so few races for first, second, well, for first and elites. So there was no road races that I could do locally last year. Yeah. There was one in Essex and it got cancelled. Right, like yeah. the Roxbourne one or something. And it got cancelled because of low participation. So... If you're a first, if you're a second cat or a third cat or a fourth cat, every single day of the week you can do a crit. Yes. Because the crits are open to all categories. Everyone, yeah. Like the Hog Hill ones, the Crystal Palace, the Vela Park. Every single weekend you can do a local road race. Yeah. Well, you can't if you're a first cat or an elite. So why can't we actually have thousands of crits that are just targeted at first cats and elites and second cats? So that like the Nocturnes, and I don't know, the Nocturne's difficult because it is such a massive, you know, event and people lo- love the procedure of riding in Central London, but like your race, why would it be that, that terrible if you didn't have a third, third yeah, cat and a fourth cat race? It harks back to the, the um, comparison with football. Yeah. You don't have three, four cat version yeah. of, you know, you don't have an amateur uh, event before yeah. the main football match, yeah. the main professionals play. Um, it, they're they're purely for entertainment, and and you have so many setups for for three four races, yeah. um, in really good environments. Yeah, like closed road circuits yeah. already purpose built. Exactly, perfect. They're wide, yeah. like uh, really smooth roads, and people to develop their skills. Yeah, and you have this this huge amount of knowledge there. Yeah. Is and that, then it's a reward for yeah. when you get to your second cut, you get to your first cut, you can change your racing. You can do different racing. You can racing. go and do these huge events in yeah. front of crowds. Exactly. On closed roads in, you know, that are almost exclusive. Yeah. And city centre crits are really challenging. Yeah. Should you have that mix of people? Like in the Nocturne, should you have people that are third cats that never ridden a city centre crit before? Yeah. We saw with the men's 3-4 race, uh, I think it was a crash on the fourth yeah. corner, first lap yeah. straight away. Um, and I know you get the, crashes at the tour series. Yeah. Like you get crashes at elite races, 
but probably less. Yeah. And it's normally, I crashed at the Crit Champ, so I can't talk, but it's normally <laughs> not because somebody's an umpty. It's some, you know, there was um, concrete dust on the ground and yeah. I skidded out. And there's probably times I've crashed them being a bit of an idiot. But most of the time that you have those elite crashes, then they're, they're not because somebody's just nervous and, you know, and got too close to the barrier yeah. or knocked wheels. You just don't really get that in elite racing because people are used to being in those tight knit, competitive, high pressured environments. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's a really difficult mm. idea because, uh, you know, as we were saying, why with women's cycling, why create something that's exactly the same as the men's when you yeah. have a chance to create something new, potentially better? Yeah. It does mean you have to sit down and say, where are we now and what is better? Yeah. And are British Cycling doing that properly? I mean, with the national series races, um, they're dropping Eurosport. Yes. I think they're dropping Eurosport coverage and it's going to be entirely regional based. Yeah. That doesn't sound like, to me, creating something better. That sounds regressive. I think that television is key to the success of sport, right? Yeah. And unless you get television coverage, you're not encouraging, encouraging sponsorship, you're not encouraging sponsorship, you're not encouraging money back into the sport. Yeah. But do people want to watch that Eurosport coverage of the national series? Like, obviously not. And that's why they dropped it because BC said they weren't, wasn't the return on investment. Yeah. And I was talking to Ross about it on the way up and I was thinking they had one TV camera. Okay. It generally followed the break. Yeah, so even if you were that. like, oh, look at me, I'm on telly, you were never really in television. Yeah. Unless it was when I was in Lincoln and I was in, the, in break, the break. Yeah. And that was fine because I was being covered. But it's generally very short. It's like 20 minutes. It doesn't really capture the excitement of what happened in that race. Yeah. I also found that the commentators were obviously very knowledgeable, but they didn't know a huge amount about that field. So I remember when I was in Sickle Classic and I was um, coming up to the Quan point and yeah. it was me and Anna Kay and they must have mentioned Anna's name about 20 times, which is totally fine. She's a really big star. Yeah. But they didn't mention my name once. <laughs> and Probably scrabbling around looking <laughs> at the like, star sheet. Is like, that person? person? Exactly. And I'm, I, I get it. I'm not a big deal. But I just kind of felt like, was that coverage beneficial to me yeah. Other than my mom, it would it could have been it could have hugely been. beneficial to a, a smaller team that's run on a smaller exactly. budget. But the coverage wasn't great. It was very limited. It was really shaky. It wasn't very deep yeah. in its assessment. Like they talked about probably a handful of ten people that they knew. How can I build a case for why Team London should get a sponsorship on the basis of that coverage on? And then if you don't even have the option now of TV, you know, before you might be able to sell it as a concept of... Yes, impressions, right? Yeah, we'll we'll be on TV. Um, It's chicken and egg. You've still got the tour series, right? Which I actually thought was far better coverage. Yeah. Because it's a circuit, right? It's much easier to cover. You get it from really good angles. You get the really crazy crashes, people going over hay bales in Durham. And you get that exciting, dynamic racing. And I get it, not everyone can do the tour series. But that, for me, is a far better platform for women's racing than some of the coverage that was coming out of the national series. No coverage, in some cases, better than... um... (laughs) Yeah, I mean, if I had my choice, obviously, it would be covered. But I don't think it's necessarily the worst thing ever to the sport, the fact that that coverage is is no longer available. So instead, there are better ways for, for British Cycling to promote it? Or does it fall on the teams and the races themselves with like the rise of social media you have yeah, your own maybe it's that. following but then it decentralizes from british cycling i suppose television coverage is essential to the 
I strongly believe that having TV coverage is going to be really essential to the success of the continental teams and the women's world tour yeah and actually if you get people viewing women's racing you're going to increase fans you're going to increase sponsorship you're going to increase people outside the road and you're going to lead to a far more successful sport yeah does that same thing apply to domestic racing does that same thing apply to our domestic scene is the fact that Eurosport's not there anymore going to dramatically impact on the success of the national level racing and I suspect no and I suppose I say that because there are people their teams that are getting heavily sponsored yeah that do not do these types of racing so there's a couple of teams in London like Fifth Floor and Romance who have a full suite of bikes given to them so Romance get incredible specialized bikes given to them they get tons of kit they get they have more sponsors than my team had we've seen um what is it? Brilliant. Guys like Francis Cade, Kieran yeah. McVitie, yeah. Um, Lawrence Carpenter. Yeah. Lawrence Carpenter still races, but Francis and Kira, they used to yeah. like properly compete full-time yeah. riders. And they have and, more sponsorship than my team And they'll had. be bringing in way more than they yeah. ever did when they were riding, yeah. for sure. And they can actually make a career out of this in yeah. some ways. And, and affect more people. Yeah. You know, yeah. I think Francis has got 50,000, 60,000 subscribers on Yeah, on and look at Chris Halls as well. Yeah. It's, like, it's amazing what they can do. He's probably having a bigger impact on participation in time trials and in racing than Eurosport ever did on the impact of like, you know, it was on at 10 o'clock at night on like I some think, ridiculous um, chance. You know, what kid has seen that and getting first, inspired? My first knowledge of the Tour de France was, was my nan and she would watch it because she liked the background, <laughs> you know, liked it on in the background while she's knitting or something. Yeah. Uh, and you can see the wonderful French countryside. Yeah. She's not the target audience for participation. Yeah. That's for sure. And I think I, I think we should probably look at like the elite women's racing and the impact of television differently than we should look at domestic racing and the impact of television and what we're trying to achieve by domestic racing. Because actually what you're trying to achieve is make it more sustainable. You're trying to get more money yeah. and you're trying to get more races and you're trying to get more opportunities so that people can make careers out of it and they can step up to that next level. Is your sport essential to that? Probably not. Um, is actually having a great social media presence and getting really good support for these riders so they then can actually afford to be able to do it. So if you're a student and you're on a very low income, you can't afford five grand for a bike. If you can get Specialized giving you a bike because you have a good social media presence and Adidas giving you a full load of kit, that might be better than yeah. being on Eurosport and having to pay for all your own accommodation or your own travel or your own sport or your own race entries. Yeah, definitely. Because yeah, I was on Eurosport, but you flashed past me because I was in the bunch <laughs> and then I got drops, yeah. you know, and you focused the whole time on these well-known famous people that got more coverage and they didn't actually need that coverage. You know, is is actually that grassroots insight that you get from social media preferable? So it's, it's almost like the... Um that idea of, of rebuilding something doesn't yeah. need to be the same. You know, in women's, in the case of women's cycling, do we need to build it to be the same as men's cycling? Yeah. And with grassroots, does it need to be built to the same model as uh, international yeah. and world level? And I would say no. I think that everything about female sport is very different than men's sport and it needs to I couldn't tell you like I've got the answer but I think that we should be looking at the differences and looking at races are shorter the races are generally more dynamic they're generally more exciting 
but let's look at like what we can offer and how that can be actually communicated yeah. and how that can be used to bring success to the whole sport. I mean, probably the, the success of and rebuilding of women's cycling yeah. can probably provide a model for men's cycling. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but it's interesting, isn't it? Because like what model of men's anything just translates straightforward to women's anything, right? Like in any yeah. other kind of way of life, they're like, this is how men do it. Therefore, women should do it the same way. When you say it like that, it sounds <laughs> it sounds obvious. Yeah. But I'm pretty sure that never gets brought up when, yeah. when committees or, or whatever sit down to to decide on yeah. things marketing teams it was funny because we were always going over to the world champs in innsbruck um last yes, year yeah. and i was sat in the EasyJet sort of waiting area and i started chatting to this guy next to me it turns out he was the chairman of bc uh, flank sleeved him okay and so i ended up just like chewing his ear off because yeah, i was yeah, like this is like, my opportunity I'll he can't you move <laughs> <laughs> you're gonna be on the same flight as me you can't yeah, run away you cannot leave <laughs> so i started like chewing his ear off and i think that's probably the only time i've ever been able to actually give a view to somebody yeah. in british cycling <laughs> when you literally get them trapped <laughs> yeah. with you Oh, I, I think it was Lord. funny because he was like about five minutes in he was like in full transparency yeah this is who i'm at who i am and then i was like shit what did i just say yeah yeah like, whoops <laughs> full transparency i'm on holiday right now so <laughs> yeah <laughs> not gonna pay too much attention oh dear right should we well, i guess we can um thank you very much for having me perfect You're i welcome. wish you all the success for 2020 because oh you actually God. have a lot more on your plate than i do yeah well uh, fingers crossed yes <laughs> and keep up that really good prize money that you do for women oh yeah equal well I... maybe we'll flip it the other way yes do, we'll, we'll uh, have more money for women more money for women yes then it can be your usp heard it here first yes <laughs> Now you actually have to do it. Yeah. No. Or edit this out. We can edit One of the two. Okay. Perfect. Guys, um, if you want to hear more from Alicia, you can follow her on Instagram yes. at Alicia Speak. And then once you've done that, you can make sure to follow Monument Cycling on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. And they, go to their races. And come to our races. Yes. 100%. Best Every races. event we do you know stay up to date like comment subscribe yeah hit that bell do it <laughs> and you stay up to date with everything we do folks thank you very much until next time thank you